Thinking God's Word to John chapter 14, just reading a few verses today. I think I just remembered, just discovered what, <coughs> why I'm having so much problems this morning. As beautiful as fresh flowers are, they wreak havoc on me. So, standing right next to that floor arrangement, I'm, there's something over there. <laughs> it's getting to me. So, well, praise the Lord anyhow. Psalm, uh, Psalm, John 14, it's really getting to me. John 14, verses 15 through 18. <clears throat> The Bible says in verse number 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. I wanted to say I will come to you again, but that's not actually what it says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we pray that you would bless us, Father, as we study your word. I pray that you just guide and direct us, Lord. <coughs> Be with us, Lord, as we study this topic of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you guide our thoughts and be with us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we've begun a new series in which I have entitled the, the Great Life. The Great Life is the life that is yielded to the Holy Spirit. He promises us many blessings and many helps if we'll just yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We studied last week the three types of men there are in this world. The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. And the spiritual man is the one who is, uh, will be able to experience the Great Life. A man is a Christian because he is in right relationship with Christ. He's accepted his offer of salvation. Therefore, he's the child of God, joint heir with the Son. He's forgiven. The spiritual man is a spiritual because he's in right relationship with the Spirit, in addition to his right relationship with Christ. And so whenever you are in right relationship and yielding to the Holy Spirit, you become as what the Bible describes as the spiritual man. Because of this, I think it would be wise to know more about the Holy Spirit and what he does and how we can be in right relationship with him. <coughs> There's been a lot of confusion regarding the Holy Spirit in Christian circles today. Confusion is and always has been a tool of Satan. Uh, he likes to confuse things. It doesn't mean that the people that are confused in this area are, are Satan's people or whatever like that. Uh, it's just the devil likes to get in and confuse things. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And so he likes to confuse things so we don't understand. And often there is an appearance of right uh, in Satan's things. He is the angel of light. Uh, there's a counterfeit of it. And God wants us to have a great life. But Satan does not want us to even have a good one. He wants every Christian to miss the blessings that come from knowing and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. In the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a particular task or a, a, a finite period of time. And God would give the Spirit to someone, and, and other times He would remove His Spirit from someone. 
We see many examples of it, like, for instance, Jephthah in Judges 11.29, where it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. But it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Samson, it happened to him in various times. Judges 13.25 is one of those. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshel. Or chapter 14, verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or mother what he had done. This is talking about whenever he had uh, fought the lion with his bare hands. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just a small cup. That will help, though. <clears throat> Another time that's mentioned is Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10. It says, And uh, it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 10 says, And when they came hit thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And uh, other times the Lord removed his Holy Spirit from individuals who had experienced his help and power. Uh, for instance, Samson, Judges chapter 16, verse 20, uh, once he, his hair was cut, uh, it says, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist, or he knew not, that the Lord was departed from him. Uh, Saul is another example of when the Lord departed. For Samuel 16, 14, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. David saw these examples, and he, he prayed in Psalm 51 that this would not happen to him. This is a psalm of repentance for David. Psalm 51, 11, he says, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. <coughs> so because the Old Testament saints didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, but the Holy Spirit would come upon them and sometimes be taken away uh, from them, David understood what it was like to have the Holy Spirit be upon him and help him with what he was going through. And he was fearful when he sinned. He was very fearful that God would use that, uh, would take that spirit from him. And he asked him and begged him not to. In the New Testament time before the day of Pentecost, uh, again, there were some who were filled with the Holy Spirit for a time and a purpose. Like, for instance, Elizabeth in Luke 1, 41. It says, then it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And she began to say uh, what the Holy Spirit led her to say. Another is John the Baptist. Uh, Luke 1.15 says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. We see that in the example of Elizabeth when the babe leapt in uh, her womb. In recognizing the voice of Mary, the Holy Spirit conveyed to him that this was the Messiah that she was carrying. Uh, other times, the apostles are examples. John 20, verse 22, it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them, Jesus breathing on them, and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, he commanded the disciples to go and do miracles. And this was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 7 and 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the, lep excuse me, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And yet, 
Jesus promises the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at a later time. Uh, John 14, 16 says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, uh, that he may abide with you forever. That's here in these verses here that we read. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was at this time that the Holy Spirit came and will stay until we are taken to heaven. So what does the Holy Spirit do in regard to the Christian? What are the ministries of the Holy Spirit? The relationship of the Holy Spirit with men in this age are revealed in seven ministries, I believe. And two of these ministries are to the unsaved world or the unsaved Christian. Four of them are for believers. And one of them is to the believer who will come into right relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at these ministries together. Number one, the first ministry that we want to look at today is to the unsaved, first of all. Uh, the two that we want to look at. Uh, to the unsaved. The Holy Spirit does not indwell an unsaved person. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't minister to them or for them, whatever the case may be. And the first ministry of the Holy Spirit to the unsaved man is the ministry of restraining. The ministry of restraining. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is restraining the wicked. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6-8 tells us, And now ye know what withholdeth... Uh, let's try that again. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And Paul has just talked about the fact that the man of sin will be revealed just before Christ's second coming. This man of sin will oppose and exalt himself above, uh, that is, uh, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, the Bible says. He then says that the man of sin is being restrained until this time. But he who is now restraining him will do so until he is taken out of the way. The man of sin will only appear at God's appointed time. He's being restrained until the time that God has appointed. The restrainer's name isn't revealed in this scripture. However, looking at this scripture, the context of which, the Holy Spirit is the only one to be said on earth at this time. Jesus has already gone to the Father. And so it must be the Holy Spirit we're talking about. And he is present and actively working in the world. It must be the Holy Spirit restraining Satan's man and Satan's plans until that appointed time. You think things are bad right now? Just wait until all the Christians are gone and the Holy Spirit has been taken out of the earth. Just wait to see the wickedness and vileness that will happen in this earth. That presence that began with the empowerment of the church will remain as our seal until the day of redemption. This is another point towards pre-tribulational and premillennial rapture as well. The Bible talks about that, that, that uh, he will be taken away, uh, the Holy Spirit. The only time the Holy Spirit can be taken away is if we're not here anymore. And then he says that that man will come. That's during the tribulation. The Antichrist is being held back until the Holy Spirit is taken from the world. When would the Holy Spirit be taken from the world? It's, of course, talking about the rapture, the day of our redemption. The day whenever our redemption is complete, where 
we are justified at the moment of salvation. We are marked and declared just as if I'd never sinned. We go through this life live, uh, becoming sanctified. In one respect, we are sanctified in the courts of heaven. But in, uh, on earth, in practicality, we are being sanctified. God, declare, God molds us and makes us more like Christ, more like his image. Then whenever the rapture comes and we are made new, we are glorified. That was when our redemption is complete, the day of redemption. We are then perfect. And so the Holy Spirit has the work of restraining, restraining the man of sin and the plans of Satan. Secondly, the, to the unsaved also, the ministry of reproving. The ministry of reproving. The Holy Spirit reproves the world, John 16 tells us. Verse 8 through 11, we see, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And though, through the ministry, uh, through this ministry, we see three active works that he does. First, number one, he enlightens regarding unbelief. He enlightens regarding unbelief. That, <coughs> that is that he brings on conviction to the unsaved man of his need for a savior. So the Bible says in verse number nine, of sin because they believe not of me, on me. The Holy Spirit enlightens the unbelievers in this world individually of their need of a Savior, and he shows them their sin. Number two, he illuminates regarding righteousness. He illuminates regarding righteousness. So not only does he reprove in regard of unbelief, but also of righteousness. Verse 10 says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus is no longer on earth to show forth the perfect example of righteousness. But the Holy Spirit reproves of righteousness, convicts of righteousness, shows what is right. He shows the example of Christ and pushes forth the example of Christ for all to see. And the opportunity they have to receive the righteousness of God, which is available to all those who believe. And this is a concept that is foreign to the natural man and can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit through his reproof and conviction. Number three, third part of this reproving, he says he illuminates regarding judgment. Illuminates regarding judgment. He reproves for unbelief of righteousness. He, I mean, of unbelief, he reproves of righteousness. Now in verse 11, he says that he reproves for judgment. Verse, 16, verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The judgment is so sure, judgment is so much a fact that it's spoken of as if it's past, because in the mind of Christ it is. He says, because the prince of this world is judged, it's already happened in the mind of Christ. They do not need to be shown that judgment will come, rather that judgment is already on them. John 3.18 tells us, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I mentioned at the funeral the other day that God does not send people to hell. God does not condemn people. They condemn themselves by their own sin. The Bible tells us that he that believeth not is condemned already. 
They are condemned. But if we believe, if we yield to his righteousness, his truth, then we can have that declaration. There is therefore no condemnation to them who are Christ's. The Holy Spirit is sent to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It is up to the people of this world to listen and to accept. The two ministries to the unsaved are restraining and reproving. Now let's look at the, the Holy Spirit's ministry to number two, to the saved. To the saved. The following four ministries are ones that the Spirit begins at the moment of belief unto salvation. He is born of the Spirit. John 3, 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He has become the child of God. The first ministry to the saved is, letter A, regeneration. He regenerates us. The new Christian has, taken, has partaken of the divine nature, the Bible says. 2 Peter 1.4 tells us, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He is now regenerated. Regeneration is the imparting of life, spiritual life, to those who were dead, spiritually dead, and through their trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 says, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He has the Spirit to, he, the Holy Spirit has the ministry to regenerate us. And the word quicken here again means to make alive. And this transformation happens when the sinner believes. If, uh, it never needs to be repeated because once we are given eternal life, it cannot be taken away. Our name is written down. The Bible never says anything about a second regeneration by the Spirit. Number two, to the saved, he, is, he has the ministry of indwelling. Ministry of indwelling. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Romans 8, 9 tells us, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What makes us different as Christians is the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of our heart. A lot of times people will say, ask Jesus into your heart. Really, it's the Spirit of Jesus that we ask into our heart. I heard about a, a young uh, kid who had to have open heart surgery. and uh, Actually, it was a heart transplant, I'm sorry. And uh, she was worried that if she had this heart transplant, that Jesus would no longer be in her heart. And the pastor explained to her that, it were, that Jesus is not physically in your heart. She was too young to understand the concept. But that the spirit that it lives inside of us. And that this transplant had no danger to her. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy, Scott, Holy Spirit of God. We are his. And he indwells us. You know, there's much talk in Israel of building the third temple. And so that they'd be able to have the Shekinah glory, the presence of God is what they would like to have, see. But the truth is, the Christian is the third temple. We are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 tells us, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. We are the temple of God. This indwelling, that presence of God, the glory of God, that Shekinah glory, indwells our hearts. If we'll yield to him, he will control us. 
This indwelling is the characteristic, the characteristic of the church age. The only time in human history where the Holy Spirit has indwelled believers. From the day of Pentecost until the day we are taken up in the air, the Holy Spirit will indwell every believer. If a person is saved, the moment they accept Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. This indwelling is taught by, uh, is seen by revelation, number one. The Bible teaches us that every believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37-39 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. doesn't say he that believe on him and really pray that God will, that God will come to him, that the Holy Spirit will come to him. It's not a separate entity. He says, this he spake of the Spirit, which, he, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. If any man thirst, come and drink. He that believeth, the Spirit will flow from within him. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us in our hearts. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What know ye not that the body, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? Why? Because you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are bought with a price that's speaking to our salvation. When we are saved, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is not in reference to a special or holy class of Christians. Every Christian who has accepted Christ as their Savior, truly accepted, has the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was so clear that the Bible uses that as the litmus test to know whether or not you're a child of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit and declares that we are his child. The context reveals them to be guilt uh, in Corinthians here. The context of, the, of, of this letter to them. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But yet, who is he writing to? This context reveals that they were guilty of some of the most serious sins. These verses are made as an appeal for them to live right. He says, listen, you've been guilty of some horrible sins, but you need to remember who you are. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. The dwelling of the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift, and it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit in them so that they might live a pure life because of it. We need to do the same. They had already received the indwelling spirit. It's not a separate event after salvation, as some teach. The Holy Spirit has been given to the Christian because of their faith in Christ. Galatians 3.2 says, in fact, This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's not a matter of works that brought the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was purely faith in Christ. His Spirit testifies that we are saved. The verse I alluded to earlier, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, 
Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. We're given that anointing or unction of the Holy Spirit, that control of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.20 says it this way, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. 1 John 2.27 says it a different way, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it is taught of you, uh, as hath taught you, ye shall abide in him, shall live in him, shall yield to him, and do as he leads you to do. But it's not just by revelation we know this. It's also, number two, by reason. By reason. A holy life and a walk with God must depend upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit to live in us. We cannot live the life that God wants us and expects us to live on our own. We don't have the power. God addresses us as though we already have the Holy Spirit living in us, and therefore He can make a demand to us to be holy, because He is holy. The believer has the Holy Spirit but it doesn't mean they are living the life of a spiritual man. We talked about this last week. We must be yielded to the Holy Spirit, empowered by Him to live the kind of life that He has called us to live. The third ministry of the Holy Spirit is often misunderstood as well. It is the ministry of baptism. This happens at the moment of salvation, which is made obvious by passages like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Romans 6.3, likewise. Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Nowhere in Scripture is the ministry of baptism of the Holy Spirit spoken of as empowering for service, as some teach. There's no verse in Scripture that, that points that way. It has to do with placing you into the family of God, baptizing you into the family, into the body of Christ. Being a part of the body of Christ expects service. Whenever you're a part of the body, you're expected to do what your part of the body is supposed to do. Amen? And so it's expected that you're to be serving. We are in Christ because of this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Those who have not been baptized of the Spirit are in the natural man's state. They have not accepted Christ. They have not yielded to his way, his plan. But because we are baptized into one body, we serve and we function to do our part in our body part, our, what our member requires. This placing into the body of Christ happens at the moment of saving faith. There's no indication in Scripture that there is a second time of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The only time this happened was that the Holy Spirit first came at Pentecost to those who had already believed. That was when the Holy Spirit came at the first. Or uh, uh, some have been used the time when the, the disciples of John had not been taught the full gospel. But they, uh, they didn't have saving faith in Christ. And when they and, and, uh, uh, explained the full knowledge 
of what they were trusting. They were believing in the, in the kingdom of God, but they had not been taught all things about Christ. And when they believed on Christ, they received the Holy Spirit because it was the moment of salvation. This word is misused often to describe something that the Bible does not discuss. And we need to be very careful to look at the word of God, not experience or anything else to uh, formulate our theology. Number four, regeneration, indwelling, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the sixth ministry of the Holy Spirit and the fourth ministry to the saved is sealing. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Not only are we regenerated and dwelt and baptized into the body of Christ, but we are at that moment sealed unto the day of redemption. This happens at the moment of salvation. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It does not stop until the day of redemption, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit has been given to us, and he seals us as a down payment, the earnest of our inheritance. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, Who hath sealed us and given the, the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? Ephesians 1.14, he says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. We are sealed uh, by his power, not by our goodness, we can't do anything to get saved in the first place. We can't do anything to get unsaved. Now, we'll lose the blessings of God. We'll lose the power of God in our lives. We'll lose a lot of things. But God holds us in our hands, in his hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are sealed by his Holy Spirit. These four ministries happen at the moment of salvation and are never finished until the second time, uh, uh, never accomplished a second time. He is born, he is indwelt, he's baptized, and he's sealed by the Holy Spirit. These events are not related to an experience. However, you may see the fruit of these things, and you should see the fruit of these things in your life after you're saved. The Spirit does, after all, testify to our spirit that we are the child of God. The seventh ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're going to discuss at, at, in depth next week. And that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The spoken scope and conditions of this ministry are the very basis of what we're talking about when we're talking about the great life. We're going to discuss this separately so we don't confuse this very ministry, important ministry with any of the others. What a wonderful gift we've been given, amen? The unsaved world as a whole is not aware of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing to restrain the devil and his, and his plans. But one day, they will see it for themselves in those terrible days of tribulation. Before we came to saving faith in Christ, we were reproved of our sin. We were shown righteousness and we were shown judgment that was to come. The moment we accepted Christ by faith, we were regenerated, born again. The Holy Spirit of God indwelled us. We were baptized into the family and the body of Christ. And we have been sealed by him. 
Do you know that if you died today, that heaven is your home? The Bible says, These things have I written unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know 100% sure that if you die today, you would go to heaven. John says, This is the whole reason I'm writing to you. These things have I written unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Can you remember a day that you bowed to the conviction of the Holy Spirit about your sin? About your need to accept Christ as your Savior by faith? If you do not remember a day or a time like this, settle it today. Today is the day of salvation. Deal with it now. If you do know that heaven is your home, are you yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life? Although we will talk more about this next week, we'll... Hear the, we hear the still small voice in our hearts right now. We need to obey Him. Commit to the Lord that you'll obey Him today. This gift of the Holy Spirit and the ministries that He has in our lives is only possible because of the work of Christ and the work that He did for us on the cross. I'm going to ask the musicians to come on forward. In a moment... We're going to take communion together and remember what Christ has done for us. This time is ordained by Christ for those who are Christians to partake together to remember him. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, please pass the plate by. If you have sin in your heart today that you have not confessed, please pass the plate by. But before we take communion, let's take a moment and sing a verse of invitation. And while we sing, if you find yourself in either of these cases, do business with the Lord right now so that you too can join us in celebrating what Christ has done for you. Let's pray and we'll sing a verse of invitation before we share in this remembrance. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to us during this verse of invitation. May we take this moment now to seek you and your wisdom and your guidance to know if there's anything in our hearts that's between us and the Savior. And I pray that you would help us, Father, to confess that now. If, Father, if there's anybody here that has not accepted you, it takes but a moment to believe and confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that thou shalt be saved. So, Lord, I pray that they would do it now. If they're hearing my voice right now, and have not accepted you. Help them to yield, repent, turn directions, change their mind, and repent to you. I pray that you bless us now as we have this verse of invitation. May we each seek our own hearts, search our own hearts by your Holy Spirit, and confess anything that is between us and you, that we may be able to partake together and celebrate together what you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. We're going to sing one verse of invitation, page 366. Have thine own way, Lord, and I hope that you will let God have his way as we sing this verse of invitation. Let's